Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody was part of the mission. 
but just to think that's been 10 years ago, it seemed like it was yesterday. Um, and we're all talking about it and where we are right now, but um, the malice in the palace. Wow. Wow. Do you, here's the real question. Do you remember what you were doing when cause I was watching that game live, <laughs> not in the arena, but live on TV. I was watching that game. And it was such a surreal moment. Do either of you remember what you were doing when that fight broke out? I was watching it. And I remember just being embarrassed. Like, this is not going to end well. And then when Ron Artest <laughs> fired on one of those fans that was on the court, I <laughs> You know the feeling you get when you're a kid and you see one of your friends giving a speech or, you know, doing something. It's almost like you're a little embarrassed for them. That's why I was around. I was like, this is not going to end well. Yeah, 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 man. I just remember watching it and, like, hoping and thinking, like, okay, this can't get any worse. And then it would get worse. <laughs> like, more people would get involved. You're like, okay, they're going to get this under control at any moment. And it's like, nope, they're not going to get this under control at all. <laughs> you know, oh, like, dude threw the cup. Oh. And you saw Artez go up in the stands. And I was like, okay, somebody grab him. Let's get this under control. And then Steven Jackson comes out of nowhere throwing punches like a character in Double Dragon. <laughs> the old video game, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he has flames coming out of his fist. <laughs> The, the best line from Steven Jackson, he tells the story when they go back to the locker room and our test goes, are we going to get in trouble for this? <laughs> you got 86 games. Steven Jackson realized he, he cost himself billions of dollars for this food. And, and, you know, but, he, you know, he rolled for his boy. That's what, that's one thing I, I, I love about uh, Jackson. Is he rolled? Yeah. He didn't care. Roll hard. Yeah. You know, if it, this is true. You know, the two these are two teams that roll hard. They got that was how they were built. Uh, today they would know what to do with those kind of teams. But uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, man, that was quite. That was, there, there was a run. Honestly, there was a run of moments where I don't know from just my young adulthood where I like I like the whole Super Bowl Janet Jackson deal. I watched that live and I was wondering like what just happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Malice in the Palace was another one of those moments where it's just like, what just happened? You know, so, uh, yeah, man, that's 10 years ago. Wow. But anyway, my man, 100 grand. Let me bring him in. Field T Sports PAC. What's happening, Captain? Doing good. I, in the intro, we talk about straight cash, homie. And I watched, since our last show, I watched. 30 for 30. D-Wheels always talks about 30 for 30 moments. I watched Randy Moss's 30 for 30, Rand University. Oh, and classic. it was one that, I mean, honestly, these 30 for 30s have been on point for, you know, 10 years now. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, these, this season has been excellent, but the Randy Moss one, it showed me a whole different side of Randy Moss, and it helped me understand Randy Moss a lot better. And it just took me back to a space, you know, when Randy was doing his thing, I was in high school and I was in college, I think, when he was a rookie. I believe I was in college. And it just reminded me how dominant this guy was. 
you know, my brother and my uncles, 10, 15 years old, older than me, they talk about Jerry Rice with a certain reverence. I think we can do the same with Randy Moss. Uh, and I, I can't argue with you on that, man. I think, you know, and I think that's the beauty of the 30 for 30s. ESPN gets a lot of slack for a lot of stuff that they don't do well and a lot of things that they cover that just don't make sense. The 30 for 30 is a quality, man. I mean, I haven't seen one. There is some that I'm just not in, just not my thing or I'm not interested in. Yeah. But they have been captivating, even if it's not something that I'm necessarily locked into. It's still yeah. done very well, very interesting. And you always learn something, man. But, yeah, Randy, man, that dude was bad. I mean, that dude was bad. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, you know, I, I mean, he, I he's been doing that with one that, of those guys. Yeah, and I didn't really know the whole story about Notre Dame. For those that mm-hmm. didn't watch it, he initially he initially committed to Notre Dame, but he never went to Notre Dame um, because they pulled his scholarship. He got in trouble his senior year in high school, and then Florida State. I mean, this this is when Notre Dame was Notre Dame, and then Florida State took him. And he ended up going to Florida State. He got red-shirted. Um, according to Bowden, he says that the president said that, that I had to redshirt him before I could put him on the field. But then the summer between his redshirt year, freshman redshirt, and then his true sophomore year, he got in trouble. So he never played for them. And it it was as interesting, man, to just see the role that he took. And um, he, I mean, he made a lot of boneheaded decisions. There's there's no excuse into that, but um, I think a lot of young men um, go through that, but a lot of them don't emerge like Randy did, and it may be because they didn't have Randy's talent, but you know, I think there was a certain level of uh, stick to itness that he had there. Yeah, and you have to have a certain level of tenacity to be to be able to overcome. Any of that, you know what I mean? But yeah, I remember reading. You know, I was an avid Street and Smith reader back in the day. I remember reading those Street and Smith and tracking where he was going because I knew he was a big time recruit. And I remember when he was at Notre Dame, and then he kind of vanished. And then he showed up at Florida State on their roster, and I was like, okay, this kid Moss is at Florida State. Then he disappeared. Then like two years later, he catching like fifty touchdowns at Marshall. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's where he went. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, that was when him and Chad Pennington were killing out at Marshall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, man, great stories. I think the beauty of it is that it's captured. You know what I mean? Like, the story is captured. Like, I wish we could have 30 for 30s on guys like, you know, Chocolate Thunder or Will Chamberlain yeah. when they were actually doing it. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. they were actually playing and have some of that some of that knowledge about those guys. You know what I mean? Iceman Gervin, you know. Yeah catch like that from back in the day and, and kind of be able to capture some of those moments while they were still in the moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So 30 for 30 is a great, I, I love them. So we did spend quite a bit of time on the intro. We're going to go ahead and get into the proceedings this evening as we always do about this time. This is the intro to let them know. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions, uh, XL Academics, on the rocks in Rockford, Illinois, and Fredericton County. All hosts and guests appear via the Fredericton County Gateway. Fredericton County is the official accountant of RSG. Hit them up. 
get all your accounting needs taken care of and let them know that the real sports guy sent you. So first off, we're going to hit you all off with some NFL talk. We're going to break down this whole Adrian Peterson suspension. We're going to talk about the career arc of RG3. I mean, how do you go from super hot to polar vortex cold um, in such a short period of time? We're going to dig into that. We're going to hit you off with the dog of the week, talk about the college playoff picture, uh, give you some scenarios of, of teams that could play spoiler, um, teams that might sneak in and bust up the party. Um, so we're going to be some NBA talk, obviously. This week when we talk NBA, we're going to get into our top five players in the league right today and talk about some specific guys, um, in particular Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kobe, Melo, D-Wade, Kevin Love, et cetera, and where they fit. Um, where they fit right now into that hierarchy of NBA players, you know, we'll see if those guys make our top five. Um, and then D. Wills is going to hit you with the XL Academics last word for this week. So we got a slamming show for you all. We're going to go ahead and jump into it with this NFL talk. Adrian Peterson, uh, please no contest, gets everything handled in court, um, seems like he's on a path to being reinstated back into the league, um, had a meeting with Goodell and his people down at the NFL offices um, that he did not show up to. Now, the reason he did not show up to this meeting was because the NFLPA told him that this wasn't a part of the collective bargaining agreement and he didn't have to necessarily show up. So he didn't show up. Um, he has wound up being suspended, um, what looks like possibly for the remainder of the season. There's still some some uh, new fins to be tied up, some T's to be crossed, and some I's to be dotted around this whole situation. Um, immediately after the NFL uh, Players Association was going to appeal, um, again, there has been some uh, controversy around whether an appeal will be allowed. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of murkiness and a lot of uncertainty flirting around with this Agent Peterson situation. Um, what are your thoughts, fellas? I want to start with you, PhD. Just give me your thoughts on this whole situation. Do you think it's fair that he's been suspended by the NFL? I don't. I don't. I believe that the habitual line stepper, Roger Goodell, has stepped over a line again. Um, Adrian Peterson also made some serious mistakes um, in the aftermath in the aftermath of the situation. I won't even get into the actual situation. But when I say aftermath, I mean, um, you know, some of the texts that became public between him and the mother of the child, um, you know, smoking marijuana and, you know, coming up dirty on a, on a urine test, um, not showing. I feel like he did not hire a PR firm. He didn't hire a PR firm, a public relations firm, to handle this. It was something where maybe his lawyer was advising him or he wasn't accepting the advice or whatever it was, but there's a, there was a perception issue that bit him in the butt. Um, now, from the, from, the, from the league standpoint, I believe they overstepped. Um, he set out, I don't know how many games it was, eight games or so. Um, he was getting paid, and now he being told that he can't come back until possibly next season. Um, and just in the letter, some of the things that we're mentioning in terms of him not showing enough remorse, um, him not 
you know, really understanding the magnitude of this, a concern about his other children. I, I feel like the NFL is doing these things for public relations uh, purposes, and it's just not their place. It is not their place. I think it's fine to hold him accountable. I, you know, I think the original suspension was fine. Um, but to carry this on, you know, I think it's unfortunate. And I believe that the events that happened with Ray Rice are certainly coloring um, the trepidation that the league is taking with this because they messed up. I mean, admittedly, they messed up with Ray Rice in terms of handling his suspension. Um, so I think it's one of those situations where um, <laughs> I remember growing up, you know, my brother did something really, really bad, you know, in terms of his school or getting in trouble in school or something like that. Uh, when I came along eight, nine years later, my parents was already on that. And so it just, you know, like they were already, like like I was not going to be able to do that. And, and, and I think this is what's happening to Adrian Peterson. Um, Peterson is, his whole penalty and just the approach that they're taking um, in terms of taking things very slowly, um, being, I think, over-aggressive with a penalty is a direct reflection of how they messed up with Ray Rice. And I love that analogy that you gave of when, you know, you're the, you're the sibling whose other sibling messed up, and then you do something similar, slightly similar, and you get the book thrown at you because your parents are just fed up. You know, they just fed up. You know, it's like it's like in my house, you know, my kids, maybe they're asking a question over and over and over. And you're like, the next person asks me that question. <laughs> it's going to the room for the rest of the night, all right? I'm not going to answer this question again. And then somebody asks you the question. Now, they didn't know. They maybe not have, may not have heard you give that ultimatum or give that particular uh, command. And so then they answer the question. Well, now you got to stick to it. You know, you've been in a situation where you've thrown it out there that you're going to be harsh on this kind of stuff and how well you have to hold yourself to that, you know. And the NFL is in that position where now they have to drop the hammer on these situations. Um, and I think you're right. When you talk about if this happened in 2013, I don't know if he's suspended for an entire year. I don't know if he misses any time. Um, but I think because it happened after the Ray Rice situation and all of the uh, – the missteps with that situation, I think the NFL has taken a hard stance. Um, D. Wills, what's your perspective on this situation? Uh, so, I mean, I always want to start with this conversation um, that I think everybody who has talked about this um, accepts the fact that we're talking about a four-year-old. So, I think we got we put that in context. I think I think sometimes we have this. Conversation. I think uh, I love where Phil's comments were um, directed, but it goes with saying that as we have this debate, we all realize, you know, it was a four-year-old, and so we, we have that context. So I want to make sure people. So when I because I want to hear some of these conversations happen nationally when folks criticize one side or the other, people are assuming that people are not valuing what happened to uh, this little boy. And so, you know, we've got to a point where it's, we have the inability to compartmentalize certain aspects of a discussion. So I want to start with that. Um, so there's there's a couple of different things that I, I want to look at. There's one that's more of a personal issue, um, and that's more AP. I think he needs to take time away because he needs to take time away. Regardless of suspensions, all these other things, 
I think there's some things that are coming up that is just about him. And I think sometimes in life, and this is, you know, part of how student athletes develop in their identity and some things that grow in that, there are some pieces where you just have to put some stuff on the back burner. I think Chris Carter was, um, if you had a chance to hear him talk about this, has been very eloquent about, you know, the things that AP needs to do regardless of all this other stuff. Um, and so I think this time away, regardless of how it happened, I think it should be good for him as an individual. On the other side, you know, I think uh, this is the result of fool's gold. It's about money over principle. Only people who have to uh, blame themselves are the players. When they went for the money, they went for the time away, they gave up the leverage around other aspects uh, and control over their destiny. And at some point, you know, players association, athletes have got to think about when they're negotiating, there's some things that are just more important than making sure you get your fair share of the money. You have to think about things that create leverage for other opportunities, you know, because every time you get suspended, you lose the money. And so when you give up this power around what happens when these incidents happen, then, you know, then you can't complain about that. You lost that battle at the bargaining table. So, you know, all organizations have different ways in which they handle these things. And when you talk about the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, every decision they're going to make is about brand. It's going to be about money because these are billion-dollar industries, point blank. And so they're making a decision we all knew they were going to make because at the end of the day, it's about money. Are they hypocritical? Yes, but that's what billionaires are. They're hypocritical. They, they push around anything that takes away from the brand and the ability to continue to make money at that level, they're going to go after. And it's not going to be consistent. They're just going to knock it off as it comes. And so the players gave that up because they were trying to go after the money. They're trying to go after the time. And I, I, you know, as I was watching the bargain, I'm like, why aren't they ever they putting leverage on this? They spent all this time complaining about Goodell, but then when it came to the bargaining table, they never pushed it. They just kind of let it go. And now it's coming home to roost. And so, you know, they got to think about when they go back to this table is more than just about the money. You know, power is about decision-making in all aspects of what's happening with athletes. And if they don't bargain that way, then they're going to continue to run into these kind of decisions. Well said. Well said. Uh, I want to shift gears as we talk about the NFL. And I want to talk about RG3. Young Robert Griffith III uh, has had quite the career arc. Um, came out and just set the world on fire, Willie Beeman style, in any given Sunday, his first season. I mean, this dude, I like it. This dude just killed the league. Just killed the league. If you don't, if you, if you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Willie Beeman, rent the movie any given Sunday. Fun movie, good sports Beeman. movie. Willie. Check it out. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. So this guy comes in rookie year off of a Heisman campaign to Baylor, sets the league on fire, gets the Washington Redskins to the NFL playoffs, um, and then tears up his knee. Goes on a campaign all in for week one, rushes himself back, gets back healthy, gets back on the field and is not quite himself, hurts himself again. Now he's in his third year. He has been healthy for the most part. Um, no, you know, season-ending injuries. He did uh, break a bone in his foot. 
um, the bone heals, he's back playing. During that, during this whole situation, there's been a clamoring for the backup. Everybody loves the backup until the backup becomes a starter. <laughs> then you want the starter back, and you realize why the backup was the backup. But it seems with RG3, he's turned off his teammates in his locker room. They're accusing him of being more of a brand builder than a skill builder. Um, he's not focused on the right things. Um, he's more into marketing himself um, to the point where they start calling him RG Me. Um, and now it's almost at a point where his rookie deal is going to be up. The Redskins have a really, really important decision to make this offseason. Do they keep him around as their franchise quarterback, or do they move on and go in a different direction? They are currently struggling. Um, they're at the bottom of their division in the NFC East uh, with a record of they have one win. They, oh no, they, I'm sorry, they're three and seven right now. Um, so they played 10 games. They've only won three. Uh, it's not looking good for the Washington Football Club. And RG3 no longer seems to be cemented and chiseled in stone as a fixture in that franchise anymore. He had a recent uh, press conference where he, in, in so many words, threw his team under the bus. Um, comments of, you know, I can't do anything if the other eleven or the other ten guys on the field aren't playing well, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you know, they can't perform at the level they perform at if the other guys on the team aren't doing their jobs. Uh, yeah, not great comments. So first off, I want to get your opinion on the comments and just where you're at as a as a sports fan with I want D. Wills kick this conversation off. How do you feel about Robert Griffith the third? Now, now I'm going to start out by saying this. His first thing out of his mouth is he said, I got to do better. So I'll start with yeah. that. However, however, I love Jay Gruden. You know, the problem with today's athletes and y'all hip-hop heads, you know, back in the day you had to prove yourself. You had to come through and you had to battle through. You had to do something. Now, today, if you you get the right production set up, you're an instant, you're an instant star. And it's not about working to be being great. You know, that kind of, that patience. You know, I, I, I talked to college students and I said, you know, y'all, y'all, you're the microwave, microwave generation. But there was, something to be, there was something about letting the food marinate, letting it cook a little bit. You know, in <laughs> the, the parents and the grandparents and the audience, they start smiling because when you make that pie and put love in it and let it grow, it just tastes so good when it comes out. And these young cats, and this is this always irked me about RG3, is he always came out talking like he arrived when he hadn't done anything. And so I love that Jay Gruden came in, and, and sometimes you just got to get hit over the head with a dose of reality. It, it, that's not your place. That's not your place. And so sometimes you just got to be quiet and perform. And that's always irked me uh, about him. And I'm a big supporter of him, but there's something about him that he can't understand that you need to just focus on you and quit trying to be the spokesperson. You know, just be the best person you can be. And you got you got a lot of that going on. So that was my reaction with it. Um, and if he learns less, I still think he can be a great quarterback. He's smart. You know, all these other people talking all this stuff about this and that, you know, Shanahan um, did a lot to break his body down. You know, they try to run him like 
you know, he was at Oregon in the NFL. You know, they put him in harm's way on the way they were playing. And maybe that's part of they they felt like they had to do that. But they weren't really developing him. And I think some of that criticism, and I was criticizing that from the beginning with the way that the Shanahan's was, they were coaching him. But he still performed as a rookie and did his thing. But I, I think part of his issue is he just needs, you know, he don't got the right people around him. And so like hip-hop artists, these cats who get in trouble, you realize they got the right people around them. You know, they got the right people. You know, Heather B. always says this on Wake Up Show. You know, who they got around them when Beaver get in trouble? Like, who around them? You know, that's all yeah, she does. Yes, she does. What's going on with the people around them? And, and every time I hear RG3, I'm like, who around him? Like, pull, pull him back. Like, who are your boys? Like, if I act like Right, who's co-signing this madness? Yeah, y'all would call me like D. You out of look, man. I'm not gonna put you out here on blast, but D. Man, you out of order. Y'all would say that to me, yeah, because that's how we roll yeah. like that. You know, y'all would get the right. call. You know, the phone number come up. I'm like, oh, I don't messed up. It's Phil T. Oh, here go Marcus. You know, I'm, and I'm right. thinking they're gonna say you out of order. <laughs> I saw that press conference, and you need to tone it down, man. But he ain't got nobody around him like that. And a lot of these cats don't have folks like like that around them. And I'm like, whatever happened to the real dude in your clique? Like, what everybody else is saying, he don't want to pull you back from, like, you need to get rid of some of these fools and get it right. If you don't, I'm going to beat you up in this closet. <laughs> you know, because that's just how we grew up. And and I, I don't see that around him. Yeah, he got too – he might have too many dame dashes, and he might need a proof. You know what I mean? He might need a proof in his crew, and he's got he's got a dame dash. It's just like, this is good for business. Let's keep this going. You know, take that, take that, take that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, man, I, I think he just he just has burned some bridges. I mean, and Gruden came out and said it. You know, it's not your place. You know, and and yeah, he he came out and said that. You know, he he said first. You know, he's got to play better. But that's one of those statements. It's like when somebody comes up to you and it's like, hey, well, don't take this personal. And then they say some personal stuff afterwards, right? <laughs> like they just excuse themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got to tell me not to take it personal, I know you something personal is about to uh, follow. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how that was. It's like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna throw some shade on myself, but then I'm gonna re- I'm gonna throw a, a a a thunderhead cloud over y'all. You know what I mean? So and, and, and you and you and you don't have the numbers that you put yourself in 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 Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and. You can't even talk about Russell Wilson. You ain't even putting Andrew Luck. So you can't even get into that conversation. You should know better. You're too smart. This is a kid who could go on. He's thinking about going to law school. So he's smart. To Baylor. This is a smart right. guy. You're not talking about and, and if you were keeping it real, and if he were keeping it real, the conversation would have sounded more like, you know, he still probably would have threw his teammates under the bus. But if he were keeping it 100, he would have been more like, you know, Brian Hoyer, um, you know, Jake Locker. Guys like that can't perform, you know, without the other 11 guys on the field doing what they need to do because that's the class that he's in right now. We're talking about those right. Madison and Aaron Rodgers. Oh, man. Ph.D., I want to pull you into this conversation. Do you think he still got a place in Washington as a franchise quarterback? Yeah, if he plays well, if he shows a flash and has a solid – you know, out of these next, what does he have, five or six games left this season? Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I think if he plays solid at least half of it, he'll be fine. Um, one, one of the things that frustrated me with this whole situation is that wouldn't we be upset if Tom Brady had said this? Would we be upset if um, Aaron Rodgers had said this? Um, I don't think so. I don't think we'd be as as upset. And perhaps some would say that they're more established and they've earned the right to say this. Um, that double standard has always eaten me up. And, you know, I agree with what you all have said. Sometimes I just want to say, shut up, man. Why are you talking so much? You know, but, yes. but Gruden, Gruden kind of overstepped too. Like, I think that was very intentional on Gruden's behalf. It's one of those situations where you kind of know who's in charge. You go to who's in charge, whether that's GM or the owner, and say, listen, I'm thinking about doing this. You got my back if I do this. I think Gruden got the great <laughs> like to do this. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes I watch the uh, – I just went through last year, earlier this year, watched all seven seasons of the West Wing. And there were a few um, episodes where the president pretty much uh, had given the question to somebody in the press corps, and he was waiting for that question. I feel like Gruden was waiting on the question. <laughs> and the only thing I was missing was, I'm glad you asked. You know? Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm all in with you on that one. It's definitely one of those scenarios. It's definitely one of those scenarios where, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, I've been an assistant coach before. And when you're an assistant, you ask the coach, you know, you might see something that you don't like. And so you run over to the head coach and like, hey, can I I go off on them right now? (laughs) And the head coach gives you that green light and you just go ballistic. Because, you know, the assistant yeah, coach man. is usually, like, good cop. The assistant coach is usually the good cop. Everybody hates the head coach. Everybody loves the assistant coach. And so, you know, you get that green light to just go bonkers on the, on the team for a second, and you just lose it. You know what I mean? Smoke coming out your ears and everything. I think that's what the group got from uh, Snyder. <laughs> I tell you what, I just didn't understand the move because they gave up their – they literally – they literally mortgaged their future to get Robert Griffith III. And after his first year, it seemed like the best decision. It did. It made the playoffs. He played, I believe he made the Pro Bowl. If not, he was near Pro Bowl level. And the future was bright. Last year, you know, injuries and so forth um, didn't work out for him. But Three years in, I believe this is their third year, three years in, I don't like the decision from a strategic standpoint to take that approach because, again, this is your future. What do you have? Kirk Cousins, uh, McCoy, somebody in the draft? You know, it's one of those things where you have to look at available options. (laughs) You know, I study organizational psychology. One of the reasons people leave jobs or – or, you know, they make decisions, am I going to keep putting up with this stuff with my boss or am I going to leave? It's about uh, alternate, alter, like alternatives, available alternatives in terms of employment. Man, they don't have any strong available alternatives in terms of quarterback. And what are you going to do, go after the next hot thing in the, in the draft? To me, again, Robert Griffin needs to shut up and play. 
But I don't think you put your quarterback out there on front street, man, especially if this is supposed to be the leader of the locker room. Man, he already was struggling in terms of a leadership position and people uh, respecting him in terms of players. What are they going to look at him like now? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, say if you're a mid-level manager, but the manager above you is always belittling you in front of your troops. It's one of those things that's like, man, this dude ain't worth nothing. I'm just going to go to so-and-so, you know. It, right, right. I don't think there's, like, I don't think they're setting him up for success. I, I agree. I agree. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a situation but, where but, you know. But I would say, but I would say, Sebastian looked at it and looked at with the coach Drew and like, are you going to do something about this or see we? <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, 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 and he was like, I got this. I've been with you all year. And 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 it was at a point where he had to say something because he had vets in there. Like, I'm not going to take too many more. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to take too many more. <laughs> And so, and so, he knew we had to go off. You know, Deshaun, like I can take this to the hood. You know, we don't have to. We can we can do this your way or my way. Right, right. It's a real interesting situation. So we we I gave you guys a challenge of coming up with a career arc for this guy, like a, a comparable career arc, and I gave you no boundaries. I gave you no parameters. Just said, hey, give me a comparable career arc. You can go anywhere on the board. Um. Did, did you guys follow through on your homework? I did. Okay, what you got, PhD? Kenny Hardaway. Mm. Okay. Kenny Hardaway. Okay, break it down. I know I cross over. I know I cross over sports, but Penny Hardaway, the guy where when he first hit the scene, and keep in mind, NBA careers. You know, I think for every one NFL year, that translates to two or three NBA years. Okay, uh, so the first yeah. two or three years we were watching Penny Hardaway. Penny was doing some things that you had the old schoolers in the barbershop like, I haven't seen anybody like that since Magic. I haven't seen anybody like that since ever. And Penny was doing some things that you just, he was doing things that a lot of guys were able to do in college but couldn't translate to the NF or to the NBA. And that's what I saw in RG3 where he brought in this whole different method of playing the quarterback position. Um, and and maybe that's too strong because maybe we should credit Cam Newton for bringing that in. But he was able to do it at a level um, that I thought could be sustained. I thought he was going to be similar to Michael Vick, but a better passer because he got it better quicker. Like, he got it quicker. And then injuries came. And now you can't do what you used to do. Penny Hardaway, he had a strong three or four years, and he started getting injured. And, yeah, you can be a 6'7", 6'8", point guard, but if you can't blow by people like you were a 6'4", 2 point guard, all of a sudden you're just another wing player. And now we're seeing with RG3 that if he doesn't have the athletic ability because his body's failing or it's a risk-reward thing, like, hey, you can do these exciting things, but we want to have you for 16 games, not five games every season. You need to transform your game. And I think that's where we're seeing the struggle. And, you know, that's that's what happened with Penny Hardaway's career. I mean, Penny Hardaway had a very solid career, but the first couple of years he looked like he was going to be a guy that 
would be a top 50 player of all time. Good comparison. Very good comparison. Very, very good comparison. Uh, I like that one. D-Wills, what you got? My comparison I'm staying in football is Reggie Bush. Um, Reggie Bush came in, um, you know, electrifying ability. When you look at what he did um, in his first two seasons um, going to New Orleans, uh, I see this quote that said, Joe Horn, well, I love Joe Horn. If you're a fantasy person, Joe Horn was an automatic 18 points <laughs> every week. We used to say, you got to find your Joe Horn. I mean, Joe Horn was uh, 80 yards and a touchdown every week. But anyway, he dubbed him the baby matrix. You know, that, 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 you know, this guy was, it was like he was going to be the modern day version of Gale Sayers. And, um, you know, when injuries start to nick him down, his value just went, and then, you know, going to Miami and, you know, even in Detroit, but, it was always like, I mean, you know, after you saw what he did his first couple uh, years, I mean, he had some amazing performances uh, in ways that, you know, folks were were like, okay, this guy, this guy, like, he, they, you know, they, they're comparing him to Miguel Sayers. And so punt returns, can run, put in and out of the backfield in that offense in New Orleans. Um, you know, he helped the electric ride, bring it back after Katrina. I mean, he was that guy. And I, I would say Reggie Bush was a Heisman Trophy you know, winner um, came in. I think you know, even you know, following all that stuff that was happening at USC, he still was this kind of electrifying player that folks felt like in the NFL you could do anything with him. Okay, another good comparison. Another good comparison. I like I like both of them because you have guys who had just great runs and they built up a level of hype where people were waiting to see that next level and injuries prevented them from getting to that next level, which I think is, is consistent with RG3's uh, kind of storyline right now. I went way off the board, fellas. Mm. I went way off the board. I went Daryl Jenks. I'm going to see if y'all get that name. Daryl Jenks. Anybody know Daryl Jenks? No. Soul Glow from Coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> Daryl Jinks. Oh, right? yeah. No, this is RG3 yeah. for me, man. This is RG3. You start off the movie, and this guy is the bomb, right? He's got the Jerry Curl. He's got the girls. And the thing that, the thing that he has, he has dad in his back pocket, right? He's got the owner in his back pocket the whole time, right? All they need is a Prince Hakeem in D.C., and the whole narrative is going to change, right? They just need a Prince Hakeem for uh, Snyder to fall in love with, you know? Like, baby, he got his own money. <laughs> That's all they need for Snyder, man. And then he's he going to be out in the rain. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be out in the rain knocking on the window, knocking on the patio door, trying to get with little sis. <laughs> You know, wow. that's, that's how I see. Yeah, that's how I see RG three. Where he's that guy. He's got all the feeling. He's kind of a a, a, a well to do cat who has got the props, but not really the, the credibility. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't really have a street cred. He doesn't have that. He hasn't paid those dudes, and so you know what I'm saying. 
the, he, he's in good with the pops because he's clean cut. He fits the image. You know, pops are thinking, oh, man, this dude, he could take this family to another level. You know, he could take over my business when we're done. That's RG3. But in the end, you know, there ain't no love there. You know, the locker room ain't in love with this guy. That's the biggest thing about being a quarterback because you got to get people to follow. And if you're a leader and ain't nobody following you, then you ain't a leader. You know, you got to get people to follow. And if guys aren't following him, I think that, to me, that's a death knell of any any player that is in the leadership position. If the guys you're with are not, don't believe that you are going to sacrifice for them just as much as you need them to sacrifice for you, if that feeling ain't mutual, it's a hard sell. Um, it's a hard road to be great. And right now he doesn't have – he doesn't have a team that has his back. Um, you know, there have been quite a few stories coming out of that locker room about the dissension and the lack of a relationship between him and whatever real leadership exists in that locker room and how I think from what I've heard, it's going to be very difficult for him to be able to pull that leadership mantle away from those guys without playing some phenomenal football, which he just hasn't been able to do. You know, not for, and I won't say for due to a lack of effort, I just don't think he's figured it out. And additionally, I feel like the franchise, as you said, PhD, when they make that level of investment, mortgaging your future, you got to have a better plan than what they had. You can't change coaches after two years with a guy. Like, if you're going to put that much into a guy, you have to invest in developing that player and figuring out how to handle that player. You know, they got rid of Shanahan because it seemed like Shanahan didn't want to handle him with the kid gloves. You know, there were stories that RG3 didn't want to look at his own film or any mistakes that he made. You know, he didn't want to look at his cut-ups in the film room, and Shanahan was making them. And, you know, those are situations where, as an owner, if you've invested in that guy and you want to see him grow, you got to step up and be like, hey, let's, let's, let's figure this out, all right, because you got to get better, and this is about you getting better. And if you can't have that simple conversation with a professional, then, you know, you, you might be in the wrong business. You might be in the wrong business. So I went way off the board with Daryl Jinks, uh, so glow. You know, that, but that, that's what I see. You know, when I look at our history, I see, I see. That's what I see. I see the prim, proper dude with the money and the nice pedigree, but not quite the street cred to really uh, win the love of of the young lady in this in this scenario, of the locker room. So, I, I'll leave. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. All good. All very good. On on point. Because um, you guys never was for so, Marcus, you feel like this RG3 story is not going to end well for RG3? No, I think it can't end well. It can't. It can it, He's not going. He's not going. It's not, I don't think he's going to end with the Redskins. I don't think he's going to stay. I don't think he's going to remain a franchise guy. I think they're going to move on. Um, because, again, he's, quarterbacks get paid a lot of money nowadays. And Andy Dalton just got caked out. I mean, the Bengals just broke the bank for Andy Dalton, and he's marginal. You know, Flacco got mad bread, and he was marginal. Um, you know, I don't know if you can invest in a guy that doesn't have your locker room. You know, I think that's where it becomes, even if he's a decent performer, if he doesn't have the locker room, you know, if he's not the people's champ, then he can't be the champ. You know, you got to start out as the people's champ before you can be the champ. And if he ain't got the people, then he can't get the belt. Well, let me ask you, rapid-fire style, for you and Devon, I'm going to name a quarterback and, add, and tell me if you'd rather have this guy or Robert Griffith. 
for the next five years. Jake Cutler. RG3. That's a tough one, man. Can I punt? I mean, I got to take one of these dudes. Um, I, I, I would say. I got to say, I'll take RG3. I'll take RG3. I'll take RG3. I'll take RG3. I think he, Nick he can still help him. I think I think Cutler is who he is. But Nick Foles. And, and, and additionally, Nick Foles. I take Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Okay. Um, Geno Smith. RG three. RG three. Teddy Bridgewater. I want no. Teddy. I take, I take Bridgewater. Teddy. I take Teddy. Ryan Hoyer. Oh, easy. Uh, Johnny Football? <laughs> I'll take RG3 in that situation. RG3. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. I'm taking Matt Ryan. Cam Newton. Cam. Cam. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Romo. Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Cap. Tannehill. Tannehill. RG3. RG3. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. I think Rivers. And I'm not a fan. You know, I'm not a fan. It's documented. Eli Manning. Ooh. Mm. Eli. I think Eli. I, I, yeah, I, got, I guess. That's what I'm going to You settle. put the right things around Eli, he performed. I'll go with Eli. This is true. This is true. Two more. Alex Smith. Oh, that's an interesting Alex Smith. I go Alex Smith. He's not going to kill you. Joe Flacco. Man. That's a tough one. Flacco. I go Flacco. Yeah, I go Flacco. That's, still, that's close, though. So based on this quick analysis, it sounds like you two agree that Robert Griffith the third is somewhere between, if you look at 32 starting quarterbacks, he's somewhere middle of the road, somewhere between 14 to 18. Would you all agree with right. that in terms of overall rank? Yep. And in my middle of the road is not his physical skills. is his, his mental toughness puts him in the road. He's too easily swayed. I mean, he's on Twitter arguing with people for things you don't even need to think about. I mean, so he's He's too easily goaded into things. So my question is his mental toughness. It's not even his physical skills. Like if if he and, – and some of that is I think he can mature if he decides he's going to do it. I don't think he's Cutler. Well, Cutler is it, it's a personality defect that's not changing. But I don't think he he called it a defect. The defect, man. <laughs> you look at him. You look at him on like the he was a broken line, toy. Uh, broken. Like he was a bad PlayStation or something. He, he called he it a defect. He just ain't doing it. I mean, come on, it's deep seated and it's not leaving him. It just he just can't let it go. I mean, it's gonna take years of deep therapy to get him to smile. Uh, and so and show emotion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would wow. that. Wow. For him, for him, it's it's the right mentorship and his ability to accept mentorship. He got all the tools. He's he he he's got the build. He's smart. He he knows what to say, but sometimes you're too smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think he's smart, and sometimes 
I mean, this is a guy who could have gone to law school. So sometimes he think he can outthink the room because he's so smart. I, I think that's part of his problem. This kid went to Baylor, yeah. could have gone to law school. That's part of his problem is that he he's trying to manage two of it just rather than just play. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you can overthink the, yeah. outthink the room. He outthinks the room. And in that particular exercise, PhD, in that particular exercise, I think if uh, I was judging off of if I'm the Washington Redskins. You know what I mean? And so I think that's the thing that Washington has to weigh. We continue to try and can we dig ourselves out of this hole? Like if it's ground zero and you're talking about a franchise that he hasn't been a part of, I think he's still one of the most talented guys and quarterbacks out there. But I think when you're talking about you have a locker room that hasn't bought into him um, and how many guys you got to clean out before he gets a clean slate. You feel me? If you make him your franchise guy. If you make him the franchise guy, how many other guys do you have to move so that he can take the he can be that? Because you got this contingent of guys who are just not gonna buy in to what he's selling because they were there and they've been there. And the amount of turmoil his presence may or may not cause in the locker room is not being balanced by it's like the T O thing. You know, when T.O. was doing his T.O. thing and splitting the locker room, T.O. was also busting D.B.'s heads, you know. Mm-hmm. And once you stop busting D.B.'s heads, then I got to weigh whether or not your presence, uh, your production is on par with your presence and the and the angst that your presence is causing within the uh, framework of the team. And so I think that's a decision that Washington has to make, um, is that do they have the infrastructure to push him out as their franchise guy um, and then start moving other guys who, again, may not be on Team RG3. Because I guarantee there's a Team not RG3 and a Team RG3. And I don't know which team has the most uh, soldiers on it right now, but that's an inventory that the coaches and the team are going to have to take into account when they're thinking about who's their next guy. And do you just start over with somebody with a clean slate and go from there. I think RG3 can be a good quarterback in the NFL. I just don't think, given everything that's transpired in Washington, it's going to happen in Washington. You know, it's like that relationship where it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and I think you'd be great with somebody else, and I think I'll be great with somebody else. <laughs> but right now, we've done too much damage to each other to stay together. You know what I mean? And that's, that's where I think they're at. And the, the, the worst thing you can get, in a locker room, we all been in locker rooms. Is when you feel like a cat's too Hollywood. Uh, you could be Hollywood yeah. if you produce, but if a cat is too Hollywood in there, that's a cat that annoy real, real, real cats in that locker room. They just annoy. Willie Beeman. You used you huh? Yeah, Willie Beeman. Yep. Yeah, he, yep. yeah, that's it. He too Hollywood in there, and I think that's part of this issue. And you, what set me off is the way he treated Donovan. Right. See, that's the piece. You know. When the cat's trying to reach out to you, and you you slapping his hand like you know what happened you know, there? You, so Donovan tried to reach out and talk to him, man. And I don't know if y'all remember that. And you know he basically like you know reject like I got time to really talk to you. Like I, I don't want you contaminating who I am, right? What happened when he first got there? And so when he first arrived, Donovan offered to reach out to him and you know give us some feedback because if anybody would know, it's Donovan. 
right? Because Donovan had just been there with Shanahan, right? Yeah. I, yeah okay. Yeah, okay. And, I, and, I see the connection. And, so like, why does McNabb even yeah. care? But he had just been yeah. in, there, in there under Shanahan. Was kind of like trying to hip him to it. You know, if the cat that just got fired, you know, trying to show up at the office and <laughs> be like, hey, let me tell you yeah. about this dude. And, 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 and really trying to, you know, get him to, you know, kick his ass security. <laughs> And, and, and it wasn't on no, I want to bash. It, it sounded like it wasn't on no, I want to bash. but it's it, it's also about a fraternity of black quarterbacks. And so right. there's another dynamic right. here that I don't think anybody's talking about um, because I think he's been in relationships similar to Russell Wilson, and there's a dynamic of so that you notice the interaction that he's having in the locker room with his receivers. Like it's a di- mm-hmm. so that's you so who's who's the pushback coming from? Come from Deshaun and so there's some relationship pieces there that he don't interact. Like so he go up he got he going up to the suite, he doing some other things and there and sometimes I think there's a subtext about are you real are you a real G in this locker room? Are you somebody who is down or are you real corporate? Right? And I think there's a framing yeah. of him and, and the way he reacts to it is different than how uh, uh how Russell reacted to it. Russell just embedded him more into the guys and, and really did not he, – he, he, he deflected it in different ways, whereas RT3, like, stepped up like, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a suite with Snyder, so, you know, you step. Because no matter who you, you bring together, I got the key guy who writes the checks. But that's the, that does not win locker rooms. Like, because you, you buddy, can, buddy so, so you So it sounds like you're saying he's more Steven from Django. <laughs> Samuel Jackson's yes. character. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and you can tell. You can tell. Come on, Dallas. Come on now, fellas. We can't. We can't go there. Come on, Dallas. Clean that up, Marcus. Come on, Dallas. <laughs> Clean that up. <laughs> hey, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just trying to interpret. I'm just trying to interpret what D. Wills is saying, and he no, he said that's but, what he's trying to say. He could say no. But, I don't mean that. But there's, but there's, been, a, there's been a subtext on him. And this is something we don't even talk about in terms of when he first got there. Like, when Cash say cold words like he think he's too good for everybody, that's that's cold for a whole bunch of other stuff. And I think that's always been an issue when he got there. And I don't know if he breaks bread. You know, a, a good a important part of being a quarterback, and this is what Cutler's problem is, like you can be aloof when you're the left tackle. You can be aloof as a nose guard. You can be aloof as a wide receiver because they think you're crazy anyway. But you can't be aloof as a quarterback. You got to be that cat that breaks bread. What makes Brady, when you talk to people about how, why is Brady so good, it's the stuff that happens during the week he does. Not just in practice, but the, the things that you hear about what he does, just as a, just a regular guy in the locker room, you know, interacting with people and, and putting jokes. Same thing with Peyton Manning, they say. You know, Peyton, they say he's like the biggest – jokester in terms of just, you know, doing all the crazy stuff and, you know, and, and doing the, the uh, uh, you know, doing something in your locker or whatever, he, he engages in ways that make him part of the locker room. And I don't see that happening with RG3. I, I think RG3 is like this stuff is corporate, you know, uh, I come and do my thing, but I'm hanging in the suite with Snyder. And he doesn't see that he has to have this role as being organic. He got to be the guy that, you know, that does some different things. And that that's a perception that's there that seems to be playing out. 
Right, and it's, and it, and, I, and I like where you're going with that, D, and because it, it's a certain kind of a, a dynamic you have to have when you when you're in a leadership position. Like you have to be able to, and from a sports perspective, you know, from a basketball perspective, you know, if I'm the senior captain of the team, I still got to be able to connect and show the other guys that I'm cool and I can connect with the freshman eleventh man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I'm not too, I'm not too. Elevated in my position that I can't remember what it was like to to grind and and, and fight for a roster spot or you know I can't, I I gotta make that connection with that guy that walk on you know I may be the star quarterback but when it, when it, when the other guys see me do that that brings them closer to me you know what I mean and that allows right. me to bring the locker room together because I'm pulling in a guy who most people don't respect for his athletic <clears throat> ability but they're gonna respect him because I respect him you know yeah. and if I'm showing them respect then he's got a place on the squad. And the other guy, and I think those are the things that leaders do. And guys like Brady, you know, if you're in a uh, a business or a corporate setting, that's like being cool with the guy in the mailroom, you know, or, or yeah. being, you know, in with the with the night staff, with the janitorial night staff, you know, and, yeah. and knowing them by a first name, you know, asking them about their family, asking them about their kids, even though, you know, they're cleaning your office. You know, yeah. that is the type of leadership that people buy into because they see, you see that everybody is valuable. You know, and and I, I don't know if necessarily you get that vibe from RG3. I don't know the kid personally, um, but it seems like he doesn't come across as the kind of guy that sees that and understands that dynamic within leadership is that you have to make sure that everybody understands that they have value. And I don't know if you necessarily invest in that. And when you don't invest in that, it's hard to get people to follow. And and I think lastly I, I'll say this, is that when you said that thing about Shanahan, and, you know, we we, we got to invoke, you know, some of our, our scholarship that we do, you know, you know, Phil and Mark, we, we, you know, we, we are also educators and we love. So Carol Dweck, who's a great researcher out at Stanford, has this thing called growth mindset. And so when you describe describing, so there's this growth and fixed mindset. Now, these are not traits, but these are ways of being. And one of the things when you describe what, what he was doing in terms of not wanting to watch film and do it, you know, very, very successful people. And this happens to a lot of successful students um, who come in who are, who are 4.0 students in high school, and then they, they come to college and they, they experience adversity. That, that very successful people have this real clear thing about you. And when you're a great athlete like that, it's like you're either good at it or you're not. And so you hate to, you, you hate to, you don't see this opportunity for growth in a way that, um, is about this ongoing, continuing kind of learning piece. And so when you when you said he doesn't, he didn't really want to break down film, because his eliteness, he's always been elite. And so at, now he has to really break himself down. And for some people, that's uncomfortable. Versus someone like a Brady, uh, like a Brady, who started from a place where he had to have this growth mindset, this ongoing growth. Or you know, you have some elite athletes who have a growth mindset like a Peyton Manning who's always learning, like he's continuing. And I think that's a piece he he has – you can change that. And hopefully Gruden can help break him down in a way that gets him to appreciate that's just part of the process, process to greatness. But a lot of great folks, whether it's in academics or athletics, struggle with that, them from growing. You know, that's, I think, what made Michael Jordan so great is that he not only was great, they had growth mindset, but part of that came from his failure at a time where a lot of folks didn't fail in high school, getting cut, all this stuff. So he's always fighting for something.
But when you're someone like RG3, where you've just been the best at every level, where you've just been that person, that you just outdo it, got the Heisman, do all that stuff, when you run into that kind of that adversity he ran into, people with growth mindset just see that as part of the process. People with a fixed mindset see it as a major barrier that they're not sure they can overcome. And I think yeah. that's something that yeah. he will have to figure out how he can deal with it. Wow, winning! Yeah, and then it, yeah, and then it becomes and then it becomes everyone else's. It becomes an issue of others, you know. Well, I'm yes. not performing yes. not because I'm not capable of performing. I know I'm 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 good at this, but I'm not yes. performing because the other guys around me aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, you know, and that's where and you that's how they normally you know. Yes. Yeah. Teachers aren't teaching so, the material the right way. You know, it becomes right. a very external yeah, moment of control. It's the coach's fault, you know. It, you know, you hear kids like that. You know, that that's who that's the kind of kid that has that fixed mindset. You know, and I talk about this yes. with our players quite often because I think it's it's a really revolutionary concept when you apply it to sports. But mm-hmm. it's that kid who, you know, I'm not playing because of the coach. You know, I'm, or I'm not playing because – you know, so and so is not passing me the ball, or you know, it's just something else. Always, it's always something else with with that kind of a kid. Um, and it seems like RG three is kind of beginning to express that and throw that out there. And he's gotta, he's gotta let that go. You know, he's gotta let go of that process, and he's gotta get focused. And you know, when you go through the 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 you know recent history of quarterbacks who have come in with top villain and haven't quite fanned out, you see that fixed mindset. You know, even a guy like Mike Vick. You know, it took Mike Vick a while to start to realize that. I got to work at this, you know, and I have to mm-hmm. have a process. And I think when you talk about growth mindset, that's what it's about. It's simply about having a process in which you break down a challenge. And if you don't have a process for breaking down challenges, then you become stagnant. Um, you become stagnant and you get stuck and then you start to avoid challenges. And so then you just look for the easiest path and you take that and you run on it um, and, and you don't max out your potential because you're, you're not comfortable with your own personal process for tackling challenges. So we had to take it there for a second. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio, uh, brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. Oh, man, that was a great conversation, fellas. That was a great conversation. Let's pay some bills real quick and uh, get into the dog of the week. So let me go ahead and get the sound queued up real quick. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems. They customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. Fellas, Dog of the Week, brought to you by Resistance Digital. Shout out to our man, LR. Uh, he keeps the lights on in this bad boy. Uh, helps us keep this keep the podcast rolling for you all out there. Uh, so shout out to him. Make sure you hit him up at Resistance Digital. Get all your technology needs met at a very reasonable price uh, with great convenient service. Uh, I'm gonna start with my man D Wheels. You know how it goes. We need more dogs. Well, this is easy. I'm staying close to home. MG3. 
Melvin Gordon the third boy set a uh, FBS single game rushing record, four hundred eight yards against Nebraska against the black shirts in only Whew. three quarters. That's beast mode. <laughs> beast mode. Do your thing, boy. Do your thing. Oh my goodness, he dancing. I love it, Melvin Gordon. That's my dog. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, he killed that. Uh, that that I'm, I'm gonna just go ahead and give mine. That's my dog of the week as well. Uh, in three quarters, 409 yards. That is some NCAA football, you know, easiest level kind of statistical day. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that's Bo Jackson, Tecmo Super Bowl, excellent condition kind of day. You know what I mean? That's some unstoppable, you know, you can't touch me. Christian Okoye, zigzagging down the field, Nigerian nightmare type stuff. I mean, just ridiculous. Uh, there were times where Nebraska, it was like Melvin Gordon had on, like, a cloak, a cloaking device. <laughs> if you ever played Halo, it was like he was cloaked. <laughs> and they could not see him. <laughs> it was like, did, did you touch him? Did you at least paint him? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> with, an- yeah. with another great back on the field, with another Heisman Trophy back on the field, his boy. Yeah. He's like. And I'm sure Abdullah Abdullah was like, really? I'm sure Abdullah felt betrayed like a mug. Like, y'all just going to let him keep running, huh? (laughs) Y'all just going to let him keep running. Like, we ain't in competition. (laughs) (laughs) Look at that that dance he's doing on the sidelines. Quit dancing. Right. Right. Y'all just going to sit there and watch him do it, huh? (laughs) Yeah. You know. Abdullah on the sidelines. He on the sidelines on that P. Diddy. It's all messed up now. What am I going to do now, huh? What am I going to do now? It's all messed up now. It's all messed up now. What am I going to do now, huh? I mean, how could you watch that, man? Your direct competition is just lighting your defense up. He's just like, come on, fellas. Come on. Don't Watching your Heisman just slip out the back door. You just like that. You know what I'm saying? The dope walker, the the Heisman, you watching all that just just go down the drain. (laughs) (laughs) Because of your own defense. Because of your own defense. Was going to have a heart attack. I mean, I thought he was going to I feel bad for Bo Pelini, man. He's a jerk and everything, but nobody deserves that. I thought he was going to pass out. I said, I don't know if he's ready for this. You know, he might throw oh, Wooden over here and kick him on hey. the way past. Hey, somebody get him down. <laughs> I'd have pulled a Mike Tomlin on him like like I'm calling a play and running on the field. Oops, I ran into him. Seriously, so I make it he might as well. He would have been, and he, you know what, when he would have done that, he would have been the first guy in Nebraska colors to touch you. <laughs> Man, it was it was it was quite the day, man. And I watched that game, and I, they, there were seriously times where I was like, "Can they not see him? Like they didn't like <laughs> they don't see him running past them right now? <laughs> they tackling some, or they thinking somebody else got the ball? Yeah, it was crazy. It was I crazy. missed the game. It was fantastic. I uh, I missed the game. I was headed to the Cavs game, and we had gotten to the restaurant about I don't know six six thirty, and. You know, the Alabama game is on, but, the you know, the Badger game is on, too. And they show us stats. It's like the third quarter, beginning of the third quarter. My man's already got 300 and some yards. 
and he's averaging like 16 yards a carry. You know, I thought maybe I thought maybe it was some kind of statistic they were showing. You know, his career against Nebraska, or you know. right, runs outside the tackle, or runs on a specific kind of a play. Right for a season. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> and then they showed a graphic that he was only X yards away from Ladanian Tomlinson's record for a single game. I was like, what? That was exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was quite like I was I was literally like again like yeah it was ridiculous. It was one of the best performances I've seen. Again, it was Tecmo Bowl, Bo Jackson, excellent condition, um, and they just couldn't do nothing with him. They just couldn't do nothing with him. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So yeah, PhD, you gonna weigh in? We need more dogs. Sorry, D. Wills. My dog of the week is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Two weeks ago, they went into East Lansing and beat a very mm-hmm. good Michigan State team. Um, I guess at this point, I'm becoming, uh, becoming more of a Big Ten fan because I want big, the Big Ten to have a place at the table in this playoff. So Ohio State is my dog of the week. Mm-hmm. The question, do you think they get it done? Do you think anybody in the Big Ten can get it done? Um, Right now, Wisconsin and Ohio State seem to be on a collision course unless somebody slips up over the next couple of weeks um, to play in the Big Ten championship. Um, Do you think that's going to be a a big enough win for Ohio State or Wisconsin, whoever wins that game, to vault into the conversation? I mean, Ohio State's sitting right outside. I think they have a good chance of making that fourth spot. This is my opinion. Okay. I agree. I agree. I think Ohio State um, has an opportunity to – a strong opportunity. I think they will make the the top four by the end of the season. I think it's one of those things where they lost that Virginia Tech game. You know, it was either their first or second game of the season, and – I believe that the committee will take into account Braxton Miller's injury and the development of Barrett's, uh, J.T. Barrett's development over the course of the season. We've even seen that some of these SEC teams, I think, are set up to have at least two losses. So it, I, mean, I think it's going to be really, really tough to put a two-loss team in to the Final Four uh, without and leaving out one of these one-win teams, such as a Florida State, if they were to lose, or an Oregon, or an Ohio State. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out, and we're going to keep monitoring that as as it goes on, and we'll, we'll check in with you all uh, and, and talk a little bit more about that. I do want to kind of get into the NBA though tonight, and we kind of running slow, we kind of running running on time, so I do want to talk NBA. Um, because the season is kind of rolling, and that's that's one of our wheelhouse subjects. We cover the NBA uh, in a very, very unique way here on this show. Um, it's true barbershop talk when it comes to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, as we like to call it around these parts. Um, so we yeah, we had a little assignment, um, come up with our top five, top five players in the league currently. Um, I'll let uh, PhD go ahead and start. You give your list. Obviously, we'll have our opinions on your list, and we'll get into your list, and then 
We'll have V Wheels go and give his list and so forth and so on. So let's go ahead and engage in this little activity, fellas. PAD, your top five. I'm going to speed through for the interest of time. Anthony Davis was knocking at my top five. I have him as number six right now. Uh, number five, Chris Paul. Number four, Steph Curry. Number three, James Harden. That was one that I really had to take a step back and think about it objectively and see what he's been doing last year and this year uh, on his own outside of Oklahoma City. I have James Harden, number three, Kevin Durant at two, LeBron James at one. Again, LeBron James at one, Durant at two, Harden at three, Steph Curry at four, and Chris Paul at five. Mm, mm. Okay. The, the surprise for me is Harden at three. Um, I'm a Harden guy. Um, Justin Page will tell you this. Um, Harden, at, Harden at three. But you know what? When you're going 24 points a game, uh, you're going six, six and a half boards, seven assists, it's hard to argue, you know, and he's doing all of that shooting 37% from the field right now. So, I mean, the guy still has some some, some uptick, uh, you know, to, to put into his game. So, I like that. I like that. I'm not mad at that list, man. It's Steph Curry. Wow. You know, that guy, is, uh, he's become everything people thought he would be and more. Uh, D. Wills, give me your top five. <clears throat> My top five, and I'll start from the top, come down. LeBron at one. Kevin Durant at two. I have Anthony Davis at three. And I still have Carmelo at four. And then I have somebody that's interesting that's not on anybody's list is Mark Gasol at five. Mm, wow. Explain Gasol. Talk to me about that. I think, I, I think Mark Gasol has probably been the most underrated, being a Memphis uh, superstar. Um, and part of it is, other than, Car- and Carmelo does it, he's done it at both ends. Right now they got the best record in the league. This guy right now is at 17.7 rebounds, you know, almost two blocks. But what he commands on the defense and offensive end is, I mean, if you think about where this guy started, what his, people come in worried about him every time they come to the game. You know, they, they worry about what they're going to do with Gasol. And then on top of it, his ability to pass as a big man. Um, I just think this guy is a there. And as a free agent, folks are going to be coming after him. I just don't think he gets the kind of respect. I think he is um, elite in ways. If he was in other markets, people would be clamoring. Um, I think some of that European stuff. But he he is, to me, a flat-out star in, it, um, in ways that sometimes Kevin Love gets stuff. But this guy's carried his team through the playoffs. I mean, he's had some other players, but he is the, he is the heartbeat. And people don't like playing him. None of these great big men, none of these power forwards, none of these folks, they, he gives them the business, and they always say it. LeBron would say it. Kevin would say it. Anthony Davis would say it. Mello would say it. This is the kind of guy, when you say his name, they all look and say, he gives you the business. Howard don't want to guard him. He gives people the business on both ends. Okay. Okay. All right. I, 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 like, I like the Gasol edition. That's, that's thinking outside of the box. That's how we do here. I like that. I like the Gasol edition. I'll give you my five real quick. At, at uh, number one, I got LeBron. Number two, KD. Number three, I have Anthony Davis. And, you know, I'm sorry, Anthony, I was wrong. Um, number four, I got <laughs> Steph Curry. Number five, Chris Paul. I have to say that now. Like, that's that's a part of his name when I say it. I was totally wrong on that kid, man. Dude is 
dude is something else. I mean, he's something else. He's something we haven't seen since a king, man. I mean, a young KG maybe. But dude is just ridiculous. I saw him play. I saw him play, man, in live, uh, in person. Um, man, I think it was last Monday, if I'm doing my math right, um, against the Cavs. And his line was something to the effect, um, I don't know if you guys can look it up, but something to the effect of 27, 28 points, uh, 13, 14 rebounds, um, a couple of steals, and he only had. Yeah, I like got it one. here. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it here. He had a. He shot fifty-seven percent from the field, seventy-five percent from the free throw line, twenty-seven points, fourteen rebounds, four steals, four steals, and three blocks, and a partridge yeah. in the pear tree. Yeah, <laughs> he's had he's had three games with twenty-five or more, ten or more rebounds, five or more blocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the numbers, man. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. Chris Paul is interesting because he might be losing some street credibility. His team is loaded, and I don't see that. Zeke in, in, in Game Changer, you got me on the Chris Paul thing. I had to get the NBA. I got NBA TV because you talked to me about Chris Paul. I'm like, I got to study this guy. Yeah, brought it. Now let me let me get an understanding. And I am the stuff that's going on with them disappoints me because I think he he should be key in making sure that team is ready. And there's something there, and he gets passes in ways that other cats don't get passes for stuff like that. So that's why I'm I'm I'm, I'm you know like I did Darren Williams. I'm starting to get that. So I look at Chris Paul with that side look right now. I think Steph's game need to develop a little bit more in some other phase before I move him up in this stuff. But you know, that's my criticism of Steph. I love Steph. He can shoot. He's been better at defending. He's been man, passing. Shooting ain't, shooting, ain't even, shooting ain't even what he does, man. Shooting is not what he does. I, he drops the ball into the cylinder. <laughs> I, dude, dude is just so precise, man. He doesn't just shoot the ball. He mentally drops it into the cylinder with his mind. Like, dude's shot is just not even something that you can't even call it a shot. Regular people shoot the basketball. He does something totally different. <laughs> and I always feel like because because you watched what he did to Michael, who was one of the best defenders in college basketball. That you, that he always has a special place in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's when you watch a guy up close, man. It's when you watch a guy up close and you watch a loved one just try and do something with him, and you're like, I, I you know, I'm usually, I'm usually, cause, you know, we're, we're, we're family of defensive stoppers. You know, we're, that's what we do. You know, and so we share secrets. We give each other tips. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to tell him right now. <laughs> You know, yeah. watch this. I'm like, I got no sort of advice. <laughs> I mean, you should yell out malice. You should yell out malice in the palace. Malice in the palace. Yeah, that, that, that's my next step. Is like, did, did you bring a shank? <laughs> you can shank him. Can you shank him? I mean, do, does anybody have a pen? You could just kind of, you know, sharpen on the sideline during halftime and take it out there and take him out. You know, I the, the kid's mm. jump shot is just a thing of beauty. And what's what's really evolved with his game though is he has developed a yo yo handle that yeah. when you have to guard a guy's jump shot and a guy can handle that well, you just you might as well play on roller skates or in house shoes. 
Either one or socks. <laughs> Either of those three is what I would imagine it'd be like guarding Steph Curry. <laughs> socks with Vaseline on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you just can't get your foot. You just got no chance, man. You can't get your foot. You just slide and skating all over the place, man. <laughs> yeah, they, it, it's a, it's some new guys breaking into the top five. Um, Mello was an interesting one. Tell me about it. What's your what's your read on Mello, man? I, I, my, I don't. I can't. I, my, this is my thing. I'm not a prisoner of the moment in some senses. That I think you know his team is three and ten right now. I understand that. Um, <laughs> but 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 he still does work at elite level. There's some things I don't like about his game, but he's still feared by every time that people come in the gym on him a night. He's putting up those numbers. There's some things he's got to do. You know, we all been, but I still think when folks say, you know, when they start putting their list down, cats in the league, like who does work on you? He's still on that list. You know, they might be three and 10, but every one of these cats be like, man, you know, yeah, he's three and ten, but I just don't want him to go to work on us. And so I, I think he still has that. And and I could easily pull him off. And, and I don't know why I have him, but I just feel like his body of work still puts him there. But I would say by next year, if he don't write the ship now, he could, he'll be pulling out of there. But I still, mm. when you when you when you talk about, you know, when the conversation happens about free agencies, about LeBron, Melo, and I mean, he, they, you know, LeBron and Melo, you know, that's how they, they talk about it. And, and you got to think about this guy. He has, he, you know, yes, he's had some tough years, but he, most of his teams made the playoffs. And people talk about and, and push through the playoffs, and he did it some, on some different teams against some great other teams, and we still give Kevin Love, and he, he never really done anything in the playoffs. Mel, I mean, Melo's been on, as if you were to put it, very few losing teams since he's been in the league. You know, very few. And so, you know, has he been able to get on top? I mean, he's been unfortunate. He had to go up against the Lakers, just like Chris Webber had to. You know, he had to go up against, you know, when the Lakers had their run. But in San Antonio had a run. But his, he's always, his teams have always been the playoffs. His teams have always carried. He's always carried his team to, to the playoffs, and he's had some losing years year recently. But if you look across his 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 timeline, his teams have always been competitive. Have they got over the top? And there's some things you can say about defense, yeah. But compared to some of these other cats, his teams have always been in the playoffs and in the run. Okay, okay. Well, that's a reasonable defense for Carmelo. I'm gonna leave it there. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna let you have your moment. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. We are about to go into the XL Academics last word. XL Academics changing one mind at a time. D. Will, this is your this is your co-edit this week. What do you got for us in the last word? Well, you know, um, I want to I want to end where we started. Um, it is interesting the way the Goodell brand has shifted. It is almost like he went into the witness protection program. He's been administering from somewhere in Alaska. And <laughs> he's slowly rechanging his brand. I mean, one of these parties, whether the Democrats or the Republicans, might have had this cat run for office. Because nobody can switch and dip like the habitual line guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed by it. 
that he can reframe and re and we've all forgotten all the missteps he's made and now this stuff is all about AP. And it's masterful because people in power and money, they know they know the public stamina for staying on top of stuff isn't there. They just know they gotta out they gotta ride you out. And because of the kind of money he brings to the NFL, the owners are like, just keep riding. Keep riding. Keep riding. We're gonna get to the clear. If we if we if we put up enough smoke and mirrors, they can forget you messed up. They're going to forget that you said you didn't have the tape, yet the tape showed up. They're going to forget that that you said that that uh, Ray Rice didn't say it, but Ray Rice said, I told you everything. They're going to forget all of that. They're going to forget your whole stance on integrity and everything else, but yet you do something else. They forget all of that because we can manage people. We got enough money to manage public, and he has just done it for behind the scenes. Think about it. Rusty came out talking about AP on Mikey Mikey in the morning this morning, and who came out? Roger had his, had one of his hitsmen come out and counter, but he's still in the background, has not been in front of a mic, I don't think. And so I'm just amazed by this. And the players, if they are going to get an upper hand, their motivation cannot be money. Their motivation has to be about power and control. And power and control may not have anything to do with you getting more money from mid-level people or your superstars. It may mean you're putting an emphasis on the core way things are done in terms of running businesses, running the business of football. That's where they got to shift their focus. Because if they don't, Roger's going to keep doing what he's doing. And what he's doing is what Ali taught people a long time ago is the rope dope And he gives us the modern-day rope dope And the rest of us, we like George Foreman. He's waiting for us to get tired. And then he's going to knock us out. RSG. Yeah, that does it. I mean, what? What? Yeah. I mean, wow! We can't, where, where can we go so from here? Good, baby, baby. Yeah, he dropped the mic and walked off. <laughs> can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> D will kick the hole in the speaker, then Jenny. That does it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys. RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Till next time, check us out. Hit down for the podcast, and we'll catch you. The Real Sports Guys brought you by Resistance Digital Solution on the rocks, Rockford, Illinois, XL Academics, and Fredericks County. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.